0: We're actually going to start talking about the last of our series, uh, last of our sermons in the series, and it's on angels. Everybody, say angels. angels. Turn to the neighbour beside you and say they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're, everywhere. they're everywhere. they're everywhere. Well, they certainly are. They certainly are. And did you know something about angels? Um, you can cram a whole lot in a small space. They're not sort of governed. They're not sort of governed by time and space like we are governed by time and space. This is not in my notes, so I'm just throwing it out for you, you know. You can put a whole lot in a bottle. You can put a whole lot of demons and angels in one place at one time and, you know. Remember, there was one guy and he was demon possessed and they asked him, what's your name? And he said, it's Legion. Legion. Legion, and a legion is uh, back then was 6,000, 6,000 something. If you go and have a look at the Roman legion, it was about 6,000. And in one man, 6,000 demons. They went out into a herd of pigs, a couple of thousand pigs, and they ran off and got destroyed. But you can cram a whole lot into a, a, a small area. Sometimes it might feel like there's a few sitting on your shoulders, hey? Today I want to talk about the spiritual world that you can't see, but you can feel it. I want to talk about angels and demons. You can't necessarily see them, but you'll feel them for sure. And I want to talk to you and tell you about how to have victory and how to work with God to have victory in your life over the demonic realm, which are fallen angels, and how to cooperate with um, God to become, if you'd like, an angel to other people, a messenger sent to other people. So we're looking about angels today. And do people become angels after birth? I'm going to start actually just asking questions because I think that's probably the best way to sort of deal with the subject. Do people? Is it true that when you die, you become an angel, you flap your wings and you go up to be in heaven? You know? Puff has become an angel. He's sitting on the cloud now. Is that true? Does the Bible teach you that? No, the Bible doesn't teach you that. Actually, it tells you in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, it says, it explains that they do not marry or reproduce like humans. At the at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage, but they will be like the angels in heaven. Uh, not going to be angels. They're going to be like the angels in heaven. So we ain't going to be angels. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 to 23, it actually says there are two kinds of spiritual beings in heaven. But you have come to the Mount Zion, and that talks about the resurrection, uh, uh, New Jerusalem, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. So there's going to be thousands and thousands of angels just having a party in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, and you have come to God, the judge of all saints, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. So you have angels and the spirits of righteous men made perfect. So you have spiritual angels and you have humans who are spiritual righteous men made perfect. So they're two different kinds of beings in heaven. The Greek word angel actually means... um, messenger and the word in the hebrew is the word Malach, and it's the same word it means messenger so when you when you're talking about angel the word means messenger one who's sent with a message so what are and who who and what are angels well they're messengers and in the bible we we get a, a bit of a look at the number of different types angels is used to describe different things ordinary people who carry messages to somebody uh, who um, who, are, who are messengers are called sometimes angels in the bible they may be just a ordinary human people but beca- human person but because they come with a message from god they considered they call them angels it's just figurative they're not an angel but they called an angel prophets were called angels in the bible priests were called angels in the bible church leaders in revelations are referred to as angels the, to the angel of the church in ephesus right and he's talking about the minister who's in that church there. Sometimes it's figuratively figuratively talked about, um, like the the pillar that followed the uh, children of Israel in the desert and the the pillar of fire at night time and the pillar of cloud in the daytime. They were referred to as angels or angels from the Lord, although they appeared as a pillar. And pestilence and plagues are sometimes referred referred to as the angel of death or the angel of pestilence or a plague that was sent by God. So... They can be used, the word uh, angels can be used figuratively in the Bible. Doesn't mean that they're not angels, but people refer to them as angels. But it usually describes a whole range of spirits whom God has created, including both the good and the fallen evil spirits, and a special category such as cherubim, seraphim, and the archangels. Angels were mentioned in the Bible 108 times in the Old Testament and 165 times in the New Testament. So with all of those verses about uh, angels, we're going to be able to get a good picture about what angels are and what they do because there's lots and lots of references to them in the Bible. So the Scripture tells us that angels were created. They're not an eternal being like God is an eternal being. They have a direct beginning, but they have no end. They don't die. Angels start, but they don't finish. We'd call that immortal. If somebody has no beginning and no end, we'd call that eternal. No beginning and no end, and there is only one eternal one, and that's God. He is eternal. But if you have a beginning and you have no end, then you could be considered to be immortal. Uh, you are an immortal. You have a beginning and you have no end. You are immortal. You might feel like you're mortal in this frame of body, what you're feeling right now. Some of you have been struggling through the week and you feel tired and you might think, "Oh, this but when you die, you will be resurrected and if you have been following Jesus, you'll be resurrected to life, but if you don't follow Jesus, you'll be re- resurrected to death, but you're immortal, there'll be no end to your life because that's the way God created you. And in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, we read these words. He says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture that tells us that Jesus is the creator of all things. And when did the when were they created? Well, there's no specific time in the Bible which tells us that the angels were created at this particular point of time. But there's a passage of scripture in, in Job chapter 38, verses four to seven says, um, Where were you and, and, and God is questioning Job because Job is having a problem with what you know what's going on in his life, and, and God Comes down and he questions Job and says, are you questioning my wisdom? And so he starts says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out the measuring line across it? On, on what were its footings set? Or lay, who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So we know that the angels were alive and were created When the foundations of the world were set, when God was speaking the foundations of the world in the place he was at that point of creation, they were there. So probably between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and Genesis chapter 2, right there at the point of creation, we have the angels being created at that point of time and there, somewhere in there. That's probably where they came from. And why the scriptures give no definite figures about where they are, we, we know that there are, uh, there are lots and lots of angels. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 to 10, in verse 10, it says, uh, a thousand thousands ministered to him, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And Jesus said in the garden, he says, when, when Peter got up and he chopped the, the sword, uh, the ear off the, the high chief's priest's son or servant or something, and he said, put your sword away. Couldn't I have called more than 12 legions of angels to protect me that's more than 72,000 angels he could have called it an instant if he wanted to have an intervention to stop what was going on so Peter's up there with a sword waving it around chopping a guy's ear off and he says you just put it away you know that's he says I can stop it if I want to he says but how will the scripture be fulfilled how will it how will the scriptures be fulfilled about me if I stop this this is this has to go on. So he mentioned that there's lots and lots of angels, myriads of angels, more than you can count, more than you can imagine. It appears that all angels were created at one time and no new angels have been added to that number. So once Jesus had made all the angels and they all existed and they all started singing, he didn't make any more. And he said, we're told that they are not subject to death and they they don't for, uh, go, go into extinction therefore the number has not decreased There's still the same number of angels as was when they were first created the Bible tells us that the angels are essentially ministering spirits so in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 we read these words are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation so we're told that angels are ministering spirits so when you get an angel and you see this guy with it flapping his great wings there I want you to get, uh, that's, okay, that's a picture in your mind that, that's, that we've sort of formed in our mind, but these are not material beings, they're spiritual beings. Dundee and said, it's a spiritual being, an angel is a spiritual being. Jesus said, he declared that spirit hath not flesh and bones like you see me. So spirit, if it's a spiritual, it's not tangible, Touching, it can appear that way. You can touch an angel sometimes if it appears that way to you, but it's a spiritual being taking on a form of a physical rather than it is a physical being. So we don't, we don't have physical angels flapping, coming through. They can do immense things, but uh, they're spiritual beings. So they don't have bodies. Angels can only be in one place at one time. That means they're not omnipresent. So the devil can't be tempting um, Jade at the same time as he's tempting me. It'd have to be a different one they're only located in one place at one time, although you can cram a whole lot into one place. Angels can take on the appearance of men when the occasion demands, and they, that's the way we can entertain angels angels unawares. My, my dad can tell you a story. When we were in New, in New Guinea as youngster, and, and my brother Evan was very sick with um, some sort of con, uh, respiratory congestion uh, because of the food that he was on, and uh, we were looking at uh, maybe having to come back from New Guinea early, and, and um, one night, I think it, w- it was, wasn't it, a, a big, tall, dark um, uh, native came to the door, indigenous bloke came to the door and knocked on the door, and he had two big coconuts, and he told dad to feed the Pekaninny, the, the Kulau, the, the, the milk of the coconut juice. Kiss him long. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, he told him to drink, feed the baby the milk of the coconut. The, the dad had never seen this fella in that region before. And after that at meeting, he tried to give the guy some salt or some matches, which is the customary thing, you know, exchange your barter. The guy didn't want anything, which is very unusual for uh, um, natives. And as, as soon as the man came, the man left... Uh, evan started taking the milk from the coconut and immediately was fixed fixed straight away and but we never saw that man again so you know who was that man where's he come from you see the bible says that you entertain strangers or angels unawares so that means that you know sometimes you can bump into somebody and you might be thinking that you are talking to or having to do with a human being and they may not be a human being it may be an angel sent from God just to minister to you you may never see them again they may come into your life and you might be hospitable to them and then they may leave your life and then you say who is that person and that person wasn't a person it was an angel sent to you to sustain you uh-huh. that's true that's the truth the Bible says it it says you entertain them unaware so I'm kind of thinking that's cool that's really cool we're looking for the wings. It stubs on. The, surely they've got wings on their backs. You'll be able to see where their wings are, surely? No? Yeah. We'll look, look, look at the wings later. But the appearance is usually dazzling. It's usually, uh, if they appear as a, a person, they usually have something really phenomenal about them that you'll notice. They're invisible. They're not visible on the normal uh, expanse of things. When it says "visible and invisible in Colossians chapter one verse sixteen it's talking about the realm of the spirit, which is the realm of the invisible area and then we got an idea of that happening in second kings chapter six verse seventeen remember Elijah was there, and he the armies the enemy's armies had surrounded him, and he went out there and he was quite joyous he didn't seem to be phased at all by the the fact that there was an army around about him crowding in on him and to, to and his, his servant come out and said, um, whoa, whoa, this is terrible. And then Elijah says, uh, you want to see what I can see? Because he could see the spiritual realm. And so the Lord opened the, the eyes of, uh, of this young guy, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around about Elijah. So he was surrounded by God's army around him. And he could see it. He didn't have any fear of the physical army because he knew the spiritual army of God was in between them, protecting them. It's beautiful to to think of God looking after his people and the world outside of this world. We are so materialistic. We are so locked into our world. We are so locked into where we live. Everything there's there's an axiom in our society that says if you can't it's not real if you can't touch it and feel it. That's in our society. It's not real. You start talking to people, the only thing that makes it real is that it's tangible, I can touch it and feel it. That's the only thing that makes it real. We got really surprised that you could actually you know, have a radio start working. Radio waves are, are invisible. You never see them. And yet you could turn a radio on right here now and you could hear the, the radio waves that are going through the roof. It's an invisible world which you can't see, but it's real nevertheless. There's lots and lots of things that are invisible that are real. We get so locked in our society. Abraham had an encounter with some angels. It said that three angels came, or the Lord came to see Abraham. Now, Abraham looked at these guys, and they just looked like humans. And they asked how Sarah was. And... uh, one of them said, you know, I'm going to come back this time next year and, and, you know, Sarah's going to have a child. Now, Sarah's listening in the tent on the side and she starts to giggle and laugh, oh, you know. And then, he, then, he, then the Lord said, and I think it was the Lord that was actually saying that, because it was Lord and two others, there was three of them. He says, why is she laughing? And she come out, I'm not laughing. And he says, yes, you were, you were laughing. He says, you were laughing, you laughed at this. So the Lord came down and, and what did he look like? Extraordinary? Amazing, different, you know, dazzling No, this, they just looked like normal human beings But they were heaven, angels There they were, appearing to Abraham And they told Abraham and Sarah That they were going to have this son in the following year Two of them stayed on I think the Lord went back to where he came from And two of them stayed on to walk towards Sodom and Gomorrah And when they got to Sodom and Gomorrah The guys at Sodom and Gomorrah looked at them And they thought they were just blokes too they didn't, they didn't see the fact that they were angels. Oh, they could do some mighty things. They blinded the blokes straight away because they were trying to uh, do some bad stuff to them. And if you go and read that account, you'll, you'll see the strength that these angels had. But they were there to guide Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah and take him out to, to safety before it was destroyed. So they appeared just like men. Um, mostly they appear as male. But there is one passage in the scripture which says they are female. Zechariah chapter 9, f- uh, 5 verse 9 says, And I looked up, and there before me were two women with the wind in their wings. And these ones had wings. They had wings like those of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. So there was two angels with the appearance of women. It must be wrong. <laughs> well i the the book that I read said it was debatable you know <laughs> a, a a highly debatable passage, but anyway, here we are, anyway, we know that the angels are not have no gender they they don't have male and they don't have female, but they have, seem to appear in the bible one instance of female and the other all sort of male instances, so we're not going to get stuck with that. so what do they look like? Um, sometimes the angel appears to be as a man with unusual features. And Daniel saw an angel with arms and legs resembling polished metal and precious stones, and his face was like a lightning. So that was pretty awesome. And what happened to Daniel when he saw that? He fell on his face like he was dead, and the angel had to tell him, you know, get up, it's okay. If you saw one of these guys, if you saw one, you wouldn't say, hey, but you if it, was, if it would just looked like a human being, you wouldn't know it. But if it started to manifest itself as the power that he has and stuff like that, you'd be looking, you'd fall on your face because they're more powerful than you are. They're more powerful than you. The angel that rolled back the stone at Christ's tomb was radiating dazzling light. So the, when, the, when the guards saw this angel come down and he started to roll back the stone of the tomb when Christ was getting... The guards saw it and they fell on their face and were like they were dead. They were stunned. They were just, oh, it was just too much for them to... Can you imagine seeing something that's so overwhelming that it would short-circuit your senses to the point where you just fall down and be passed out because it's too powerful for you to comprehend? Yep, that's one angel. <laughs> one. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. In the book of Revelation, you can read the book of Revelation and describes some highly unusual beings in the book of Revelations. Revelation and they're called angels. So is this what the Bible talks about when it talks about angels? No, No, it's not. This is not biblical angel. This is fantasy. There are no instances in the Bible of any pictures of angels or descriptions of angels that have them as little chubby cherubs flying around that you just want to go here goody goody chica chicky mum yeah it's just rubbish. That's not what they look like. There's no biblical angels that ever appeared that way. Angels in the Bible never appeared as cute, chubby infants. They're always full grown adults and when people in the Bible saw them, their typical response was to fall on their faces and to fear with fear and awe and w wish they were dead. They didn't never ever reached out and touched one of them. So they're quite of awesome. So the different kinds of angels. There are seraphims. The seraphims are the ones that had wings. And in, in Isaiah chapter 6 verses 2 to 6, we, we, did, we get the description above him where a seraphim. Each had six wings. So this, this one angel had six wings. Two wings covered his face. Two wings that flew by. And two wings covered its feet. So it had six wings on the one angel. So it's outside your scope of understanding. Uh, the... The, the, the angels that were on the end of the ark They had wings that stretched right across the ark Like that um, That they were described So some of them are talked with having wings Others of them are not talked with having, Angels are talked about flying So I suppose wings and flying But they could fly without wings I suppose Like Jesus moved around sometimes without wings he How do angels compare with human beings? Well, we're told they're stronger than man, but they're not omnipotent. So Psalm 103, verse 20 says, "Praise the, the Lord and His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding and obey His word." And Second Peter verses, chapter two, verse uh, sorry, Second Peter chapter two, verse eleven, it says, "Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on the on such beings." When bringing judgment on them from the Lord So we're told that angels are stronger and more powerful um, They have a great amount of knowledge the, the, the reason why they have a great amount of knowledge Is they've been for, around for a great amount of time And if you have been around for a great amount of time And you're able to remember stuff You'd get a great amount of knowledge If you think about it The devil knows a lot about you He knows all of your weaknesses from the time dot and he knows how to how to mess with your head too, because he's known you for a long time. So when you and he's an angel, and the demons that are, that are his mates are angels, and they've got their heads all switched on because they have a plan to destroy you, and they're switched on every day, switched on to destroy you, and they have lots of information that they use against you. So yeah, they're a formidable force. They're stronger physically than you. They're more intelligent than you. And the Bible says that they're everywhere, but they're not. They're only localized in one place, but there's lots and lots of them around. So how do we cope with such terrible beasts? And how do we handle angels? You can't trust all angels. You can trust two-thirds of them, not all of them. There's one-third fallen, angels, and two-thirds never fell. So the Bible tells us very carefully that we have to test the spirits. We have to make sure that it's a right angel. We're told that the Bible tells us that angels can appear as angels of light, but they can be deceptive and they can preach another gospel. And, and, and Galatians says, if an angel should come and preach any other gospel, even if he's standing there as an angel of light, he says, don't listen to him. So you'll get some people that'll come up, and these days you'll hear this guy. He'll gone into his room and he's gone to prayer and fasting for five hundred years, and he's come out and he saw an angel that sustained him the whole time, and he'll tell you there's another way to get to heaven apart from going through Jesus. Watch out! Lie, lie, pants on fire. He's talked to an evil angel. You know, he's talked to an evil angel. That's where he's come from. You know, angels will appear, and you, you, you talk the, the roots of Islam. The roots of Mormonism all come through dialogue with an angel, with a different gospel, with a different way, a different method. The angels that oppose God under the leadership of Satan, um, we get get um, an incident of them in, in verse 41 of Matthew chapter 25. It says, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Those demons, those angels that are fallen, they're all going to one place. They're going to go to to judgment. And uh, we, we have to recognize that those evil angels have a place prepared for them. That hell was never prepared for human beings. Human beings were never destined to go to hell. That was always prepared for Satan and his angels. The fact that you actually get caused and deceived and you end up there is only the fact that you're not listening to the Spirit of God who wants to keep you from it. Angels will end up, fallen angels will end up in that place of uh, punishment. And uh, so we we have to be careful about uh, who we're listening to, make sure that we're listening to the right sort of angels. So what do they do? Here's a list of the things they do. Angels worship and praise. The main activity is portrayed in heaven as being worshipping and praising. Now, So if two-thirds are worshipping and praising, then one-third would be doing the opposite. So if you're sitting and you get an, an overwhelming desire that's spoken into your head somehow and you just want to praise God for all his goodness and it just comes to you. That's great. Maybe an angel just said to you, "God is so good. Why don't you just praise Him right now?" That's what. Just join with the angels and praise Him. But if somebody sits on your shoulder and starts saying, "Is there really a God? Does He really care?" You know, He doesn't care about you. If you get those thoughts coming into your mind, that's the the business, the messenger from the other side, speaking into your life and trying to undermine the work of grace. He's a messenger from Satan. If the, if, the, if the good angels are messengers from God and bring good messages messages to us and tell us about the good things that are going, you're going to have a child. You know, you're going to call his name Jesus. You know, a great message. You know, and another one says, you know, you ought to betray that Jesus. He's only in it for himself. You know, you know, Jesus called one of the disciples and he said, I "Haven't I called the twelve of you? and Yet one of you is a demon." One of you is the devil. The devil got into Judas and talked to his mind, took a message, an evil message about Jesus to the Sanhedrin, an evil message and betrayed him. If they're guiding lights, if angels are guiding us and giving us instruction on how to go and lead us in a certain way, then then the one that would lead you into temptation would be an angel as well, wouldn't it? If Angels would lead us into the path of light and lead us to a place, and like they appeared to Joseph and said, "Joseph, take your son now and go, go out of this place, go to another." And appeared to him in a dream and said, "Do this, do this. This is what you have to do." If an angel could appear to uh, Paul and say, "Paul, you know, go to Macedonia and help them out there," well, there may be that thing that it keeps on sitting on your shoulder that's telling you to do the wrong thing is another angel of a different kind leading you and guiding you into a different area. You see, they all have the same function. Angels don't change their function, just change who they're serving. So an evil spirit, an evil angel is serving the devil and desires to destroy you. If God provides for us through angels, and the Bible tells us that he provides for us through angels, and that's the truth, if there's two angels, two, two-thirds angels providing for us, then there is other angels who are not providing, who are stealing from us. They're setting it up to steal, to kill, and destroy, because that's their that's their objective. We think, oh, you know, are we really, are we really, you know, dealing with angels in this place? Well, you can see the end result of it in your life. You can see what's happening in your life as things come and steal and kill and destroy from your life. If angels protect us, if he gives his angels charge over us to protect us and they're. Protecting us, then there are other angels out there who are wanting to harm us. Not only are they there to protect us and provide for us, there are other angels out there who have um, an attitude to harm us and to cause them to inflict pain on our lives. You see, the question is, who are you listening to? Which one are you responding to? And don't dismiss them because they're there. Just because you can't see them it doesn't mean that they're not real. You have to keep your... Focus in in the Lord because you know that they're there. If some are delivering, uh, getting God's people to deliver us out of those dangers, some are actually bringing us into danger. There are some evil angels that are trying to set up situations that will cause a catastrophic thing to snap down on you. You Say, Lord Jesus, lead me today. I I need you to lead me. Lord, give me the angels. Let them have charge of me. He says, follow my lead, follow my spirit, follow my guide. And you'll say, oh, just, "I just, I just, I just don't feel comfortable about going in that direction today. I think i will take another way home." Well, do that, do that, because there may be a trap laid for you. And and God knows. And if you learn to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and follow the guiding and the, the and the direction of God's Spirit, and He will protect you from those things. I remember a story, Shireen, that you told us some time ago where where you were going home and you, you, you felt that you needed to go around to, was it a cousin's place or somebody's place, and he was, he was hanging himself in the car. That you would got there and he, he undid it before he got too far. That was like the direction of God, prompted by an angel, or prompted by the Holy Spirit, followed the direction to save a man from a situation. That's what God does. I believe in angels. Do you believe in angels? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you really? Do you really? I started to see, when I I was younger, I started to see God actually doing some amazing things to protect me. You know, I remember in my life, you know how you... You, know, you wouldn't probably know this, but you know how you play with sin? You know how you play with sin? You know you're playing with it. You know, you're like, oh, I'm in control of it. And you know, I shouldn't, but I'll, keep, I'll just do it one more time or I'll just go there one more time. You know how you play with sin? You know. I didn't want to hear you, that you knew how to do that. I thought I was the only one that knew how to do that. But I remember one day just playing with a situation in my mind and thinking, oh, well, I'll do something. And then something else happened that cut right across me, cut right across my train, of thought, that just took the whole thing away. And I thought, later I looked at, I that was just God. It was like one angel was sitting on my shoulder saying, you know what, here's a good time, why don't you just do it? He's sitting there, sitting there, then, and God said, okay, get a couple of other angels to strike the man now. And he's distracted, and all of a sudden that was gone, and there was a new focus, a new idea. Just like that. And I sat back and thought, none of that was me exercising control. On one instance, there was pressure and temptation to the wrong thing. the next instance, outside of my control, something hit across my life like that, distracted me from the whole thing, and the whole thing changed. And you know what I reckon? The devil tried, and Jesus came through for me. That's it. That's angels. Yeah, I I, I noted that one day and I thought, that's too amazing because I knew the pressure I was feeling. And then to have it change like this, just within a split second, I, I could see that God had done something, but it was outside of my understanding of what it was. It had to be angels working and protecting me. And I've seen that time and time again. When you see that, you start to understand God is looking after you. Thank you, Jesus. He's delivering us. If there's angels there to strengthen and encourage us in our walk, then you'll know for sure that there's going to be some angels there who are there to drain your strength and to discourage you. So you can sit there and you might not be talking to an angel. You might be talking to a human being who has an angel sitting in them. They are demon-possessed. But every time you get near that person, all they do is suck the very life out of you. Every, you sit there and you think, I don't understand what's going on. But when I leave that person, I leave drained. I leave completely depleted of energy. I am left discouraged. Well, you've just had an encounter with a spiritual kind, an evil spirit, an angel that's actually inhabited a body. And is trying to discourage. You see, we think of angels flapping around somewhere out there. We never think of demons as being angels, but that's what they are. Demons are angels, fallen angels. Mm. And they answer prayer. They carry the answer of prayer for us. We pray and ask God to do something. and An angel is sent with the answer to bring it to us. And demonic spirits actually oppose those angels to try and stop the answer from coming through. They try and stop it from coming through to you. That's the world in which we live. If angels care for believers at the point of their death, there's other angels there that are wanting to distract you and destroy you at the point of your death. And angels are executioners of God's judgment. So God will send both evil and good angels to execute his judgment upon humanity. Now, I want to talk to you about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. All of that was just an introduction to this. This won't take too long, but I hope when you see this, it will help you. Now, we get it. Paul is an interesting character because he, he talks to us. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. What's he saying? You are wrestling against fallen angels. You got that? Now, we know that angels are stronger than us. We know that they're smarter than us. We know that they're around everywhere. We can't see them, so that's a pretty formative enemy. If you don't know how to fight the evil one, if you don't know how to fight fallen angels, you're damned. You're gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna get you. You know, if it wasn't for Jesus protecting you, you'd have been gotten already. And some of you really struggle because you don't understand what, what's going on in a spiritual world. You, you think we're still in a material world, and this is the way it is. And you, you wrestle every day with, with spiritual fallen angels who are sitting there to destroy you or to try and bring you... And you don't realise that you just think you're going through some sort of a mood swing. But those things that are coming on your life are not just mood swings. They're not just chemicals in your system. Something has to excite the chemical in you to get you into a mood swing. That's the crazy thing. They say, we know how the brain works. We know that it works this way and it sends a little little shoot down the synapses and it goes into the thing and it fires off and it crosses the synapse, and it goes. That's the way it all works. We know exactly how the neurosystem works. We, we just don't know what starts the thing off. We know how it works when it gets going. And it gets going. You get a highway there, a highway of all the wrong thoughts. It just goes, boof, there it is, all over you. You feel it. It's like a huge addiction. We know they they can tell you how it's working, they just can't tell you how it gets started. Because that's the interface of the spiritual and the physical. It starts as a spiritual and then begins as a physical. So it turns into a physical, like if I go bang and scare you, and you get a big adrenaline shoot. You know, something external gave you a fright, you released adrenaline to your system, your heart goes bing, 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 and all of a sudden you're feeling something very strongly. Where did it begin? It started from a bang outside that scared you. You reduce, the boom goes to the adrenaline into your system and all those things start. You get ready to run away or you get ready to fight. We know how it works in you physically. They're just learning that there's a link between the spiritual world and the physical world. Quantum physics tries to understand the spiritual side that is affecting the physical side. Now, listen, this is not this is not spooky for God. God knows all about it. He tells us all about it. But He tells us, he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So I don't have a problem with Eugene. You know, he might really don't come to me. Oh, Eugene is really giving me a hard time. He's picking at me. It's not Eugene. Eugene, cut it out. It's not Eugene. You see, the Bible says we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We get caught there. We think that the thing that's coming at us is, is a person. We think that if that, that person who's doing it to me. That woman is doing it to me. Why wow, she's a Jezebel. That's what she is. She's happy because I'm feeling that. something Every time I see her, I get this all over me. Now wait, I'm going to stop there. The Scripture says you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, so don't judge the woman. Start to see that there's something. There may be nothing in the woman that's evil at all. It may be just in your head and what the devil sits on your shoulder and says to you about the woman. It may be nothing to do with the woman, and you'll go and stone the woman because you think the woman is bad. Because then you, but you guess what? Another woman will stand up to you tomorrow and go, bang, and you'll think the, the thing has come back on that woman. You're going to have to kill her too. Now let's just think this one through. The Bible says you are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you flesh and blood? Uh, are they? My wrestle is not against you. Tell that person, I'm not fighting you. There's something else working here that is not flesh and blood. Tell them that. There's something else working here that is not flesh and blood. It is it's the truth It's the truth, flesh and blood It's not flesh and blood There's an evil angel Wanting to take you out The Bible tells us in Revelations That he's thrashing around And he's wanting to bring as much destruction as he can Because he knows his days are short If you want to play into that You'll get conned You're not wrestling against flesh and blood So he says some interesting words there, and I want to write these words up for you. The first is, he says, you wrestle against principalities. The word principalities is the word archi in the Greek. And you say, well, what's important about that? Well, it means commencement or beginning. Now, I I preached this one day, and guys, "Ah, this is not the beginning. He's the top chief, because sometimes it says Chief. Chief. Chief has meaning first. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. The word beginning is ache. In the beginning. In the beginning. So what Paul is actually doing here is he's actually giving you an idea of how it is for individuals. And the demonic realm. He says, where does it begin with the demonic realm? In the beginning. It's got to get into your head somehow. In the beginning. There are demonic principalities that have their whole purpose is to somehow get into your head. Or get into your life in some way. The Bible says, "Do not give the devil, a fallen angel, a foothold." Don't give him anywhere he can start. So I want to. How does how does he get into your mind, John? How would he get into your head? How would he get there? Well, he had to come through some sort of gate, wouldn't he? He could get through your eye gate. What you watching? What are you watching? What are you reading? Or maybe he can get through your ear gate. What are you listening to? Because he's going to come and get in somewhere. He's got to commence somehow. He's got to, it's, if he can't get in through your eyes and he can't get in through your ears, maybe he's going to get in through your smell. Oh, that perfume. Oh. What are you wearing, bride? Right. He's going to get in through your mouth maybe. What are you drinking? What are you tasting? He's going to get in some way. You cannot escape his attempt. You have to wrestle against it. He will try some way to get into your skull. Maybe you will hear words that somebody will say to you. They'll come into, and those words are like bombs going off because as soon as you hear those words, the adrenaline starts to rush and you start to feel anger inside, and it's raging in you. And why is it raging in you? Because it had a commencement somewhere. It started somewhere. It always starts with a thought. It always starts with a thought. You can't fall into sin without at first thinking about falling into sin. You can't think about falling into adultery without first. Oh, it just happened to us. Bull, it happened to you. You spent some time thinking about it before you climbed into bed with that woman. You spent some time moderating and thinking about how you'd do the wrong things before you did the wrong thing. It starts somewhere and it doesn't start out there with that person. It started in your head before you even got to the bed. It starts somewhere. And I think that Paul is telling us here how it begins. And he tells us the hierarchy of the evil angels that are against us. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You can't fight this battle by yourself. You're in a battle that will take you out. He was designing to kill, to steal, to destroy you. And you better have that in your... He's got to try and find a way to put something in you, some way. So the principle, demons are the ones that live next to you and sit on your shoulder, speak into your ear, put things in front of your eyes. They're the principal ones They're where they are commencing. There's not the big chief. The big chief hasn't come down to give you a hiding. He's probably ran in the courts of God bringing accusation against other big chiefs. You're not wrestling against Satan. You might feel it as strong as Satan, but it won't be Satan. You're not big enough for Satan to waste his time on. It'll be one of his mates, and he'll be trying to get in to your head to screw your brain around. And you sow the wrong sort of thought, and you'll reap the wrong sort of attitude. And you keep thinking that attitude, and the Bible says you'll encounter the second being there. He says, For we wrestle against flesh and principal but against powers. Powers. The word powers is the word exousia. It means to hold by force. And it means to decide and choose a direction. Now, let me, let me explain something to you. An attitude is something that holds you by force. It takes some time to change attitudes, doesn't it? If you were raised in a country town and you encountered Aboriginal boys all the time and the Aboriginal boys beat you up every Friday because it was their little thing they wanted to do, and you grew up, you would probably have a great prejudice against Aboriginal boys. Or against aboriginals You would hate them Why? Because there's an attitude that's grown in you Of anger and resentment Because of what they did to you when you were growing up Unforgiveness will have got root inside of you And you would have If you'd just gone on the normal track You would have made sure that every time you grew up And you found an aboriginal by himself You'd hit him with a something hard And you'd you want to let him know that you're going to get him back For all the time That's where prejudice comes from Attitudinal stuff Little seed goes in there and it builds an attitude. So we say, all Aboriginals are. All Chinese are. Or, oh, if you grew up when I was growing up and you watch TVs about the Germans and the Germans who were killing and, and hurting the Jews and all the, most of the movies that came out in the matinee Sunday matinees, then were, well, you know the big, terrible Germans and the torture that they did to people with --Oh, you could see it almost graphically, to, you know, and, and, oh, and they pulled their nails out, and I can remember all those things from movies that I watched on Sunday matinee. So Germans for a long time were well, it builds an attitude. you've got to know who you've got to be fearful of. That yellow-scourge Japanese. And that, that, those movies came through and they were horrific what they showed those Japanese doing and the stories that we heard about those yellow, yellow, scourgy people, you know. That's where the prejudices come from. Attitudes. Attitudes. We think, kind of, he's a... And you know, the, God, the fact that God would put all these nationalists together in one place and you know, it defies rationale because we all got some sort of attitude towards another breed that's not like us. Those attitudes started here and developed there to something that holds by force, that makes a choice. So we, we said, you know, what will I do? If I, I'm, my choices are limited now because I'm not going to trust anymore in that area. I've, I've got this bit of thinking there in my head, and that's the way I think about it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to pull that wall down very quickly because I only get hurt again. Will you go out? No, I won't go out with that. They said Aboriginal person. I won't extend my hand to that person. I want to go across the street to help them. They're only there because they deserve to be there. And all of that is attitudinal. You know what it tells me? It tells me he got a foothold somehow. It's holding you by force. You know, it starts here and if you let him start there, it gets a foothold here and it gets a little bit stronger and you can't shake that so easily. You have to repent from that and ask for new thinking to change that way of thinking. To rip it out. He says, you, he says you, "You fight against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world." This is an amazing word. The rulers of the darkness of this world. The word "cosmocrator" is made up. it's a Greek word. "Cosmo" it's "cosmo" is the word for world. It's where we get our Cosmo with the sea, English, is the world, and it defines order and arrangement. So, this world is, the cosmos is considered to be in order and arranged. And anything that's part of this world has orderly arrangement. Creation tells us that, doesn't it? We look at them. Everything is in its orbit. Everything is in its place. The natural laws determine everything. Everything is in order. Everything is in its place. It's order and arrangement everywhere. It is not chaotic. It is not just a big bang that's gone off somewhere and and then we think, oh, oh, what's happening, holding it together. Everything has its place. It's a place for everything and there's a law governing everything. It's all held together in order and arrangement. So cosmos talks to order and arrangement. Crater is a word that means bound or held by force. Again, strong word. Let me tell you how it works. Who was the guy who started the whole idea of evolution? What was his name? Darwin, Charles Darwin. One day, he got angry and had a thought. About God. We told him told in history that uh, his daughter was gravely ill. I think he, she died or something. He got an attitude about God. And then he began to think, what if there was no God? Just a small thought. And on that small thought, he began to apply 20 years of reasoning, which developed quite a strong attitude with regard to Evolution. He decided to go and dig deeper and to look at the Galapagos Islands and to look at finches and to look at all kinds of species there and to think even more deeply about the origins of life. Could it be that there is no God? Could it be that God is a myth and that black people are half human and half monkey? Because he believed that? And that we're all in a great evolution, moving from the ocean, from little anim- animals in the ocean, to what we are today in this progressive evolution. So he developed that idea. He developed that idea. And it became, took order and it started to hold them by force. And there was a lot of people who liked that idea because there were a lot of people who didn't want to have God in the centre because if God was in the centre, it meant morality was in the centre and it meant they were accountable to God and they liked the idea of taking God out of it and that seemed like a good idea. So his little idea, his little mind that got this little thought and developed it into a nice little attitude became a world order. A world order of thought that governs and controls and blinds people today. Holds them down. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of Jesus. That's what you call the cosmocratic. And it has to do with obscuring or blinding people. Darkness. He says, the rulers of this darkness of this world. Now listen. This is not a principle thing starting in it. It started as a principle thing in his head. It developed him as an attitudinal thing, so he became to live and walk, and he's become the embodiment of that attitude, anti-God. Marxism snaffled that up. Communism grabbed that idea and says, you know what? Let's build a whole philosophy of thought around the fact that there is no God. Let God, the absence of God, be the center of our whole understanding. Let's start with this thesis. There is no God. And build our whole understanding of life around the fact that there is no God. So they did that. There is no God. So how is this world? It must be materialism. It must be evolution. It must be something else. And so their whole understanding is governed by this man's thought that developed into a very strong attitude that becomes a world order. So we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So Paul is actually saying it starts here, gets here like this in your head, becomes an attitude that controls you. Then if you uh, keep that up, you know what you'll do? Is you will mess with somebody else. He says, be careful with the root of bitterness, which defiles many. Why? Because once you start holding that and you start the demons start gathering up there and all of a sudden you've got these angels of darkness that are pervading your whole life and your life becomes a pervading influence on other people. What's the last one he says there? Against the spiritual wickedness. Spiritual wickedness is the, it's the word pneumaticus ponia in the Greek. Spiritual pneumaticus, it's spiritual being, angelic, spiritual being, ponia, from where we get the word pornography, wickedness. Spiritual pornography. In the spiritual realm, it says in the heavenlies, in the high places. The word high places is heavenlies. And it means the heavenly realm and the, the, the atmosphere in which we live. It means the second heaven in terms of space. And it means the throne of God, where God lives. It means these spiritual, pornogra- pornographic evil being resides in all of those heavens. Well, it's the truth, isn't it? I mean, Job says that Satan came to the, to the throne of God and accused Job. We're told in Revelation it says that the, the devil stands before the throne of God and accuses the brethren daily before the wait, Where Where is the devil? Satan's up there accusing you. Not down here. He's going to get thrown down here, the Bible tells us. and the, He's going to be thrown down here, but this is the, high, the prince of Persia, over Persia, the prince that's over Greece that it talks about in Daniel. We're talking about spiritual controlling forces which are not controlling this individual. They're controlling a horde of others which are controlling this individual. These are over a a whole domain. These are over a whole area in the earth. You say, when I go to the Gold Coast around about the end of the year, this is a pervading sense of evil. You go down there, you just feel this sense of wickedness. Schoolies is on. You see it in the movies. It's this pervading sense of, what is that? It's every demon in that area working its work on those people down there. You ought to be praying for your young people who are down there ministering. Do you think that they are not under the influence of that thing? They've gone down to minister to those people who are down there, to minister to them when they are getting out of their brains, uh, pursuing the, 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 the things of the Satan. And they're down there trying to minister Jesus. Do you think that they're going to be going through there unscathed They're going to be under a lot of hammer. I've been praying for them. I say, God, you keep their focus and keep their vision. They're they're only two seconds away from slipping themselves. You you go to any country you like in the world, and you'll feel a pervading presence over that place—a religious thing, or you'll feel an evil thing, or something. That's you go to the Philippines, and it's all you can feel it in the Philippines. It's there. There's a pervading sense of, you know, in the northern, northern provinces, there's a sense of religiosity. Like everything is religious in front of you. It almost seems like it's, you know, good, because everything is God, God, dear God, this God, trust in it. It's all there in front of you, and they all cross themselves. But it's, that's part of the deception. So you have a hierarchy that, that Paul is showing us. He's showing you it starts with principalities. The ones that are trying to get it into your head and into your life. It goes to the things that actually make themselves attached to you in some way because you accept their reasoning and you accept their ideas. That's the exhaustion. And then it goes to the influence that you're having on those around you because of that. That's what you've accepted. And then it says, you know, and if you keep on traveling in a path that's not right, you'll have a massive effect. You think, I, I wonder whether Darwin thought it was going to have the effect it was going to have. Or whether Marx when he when he creating Marxist Leninism, whether they thought they were going to achieve what they achieved, or you know uh, Chinese um, Mao Zedong and their ideas and their rational, their philosophies, they're all they're all in, in board there. So the angels. So there's two thirds good, and one third bad, and the one third bad has only one po- focus in life, and that's to attack you. The two-thirds that are good are trying to help you if you're to cooperate. And there's one-third that you felt this week. There's one-third that you felt influenced in your life this week. There's one third that you heard the messages coming on your ear to do certain things that you knew were not right. There's one third that have talked into your eyes and shown you stuff that you shouldn't have seen and have suggested things that you shouldn't be thinking about. There's attitudes that you are expressing in your life, attitudes of anger and attitudes of frustration that are not necessarily yours but are there because you give them permission to be there because you accept a whole realm of thinking that shouldn't be there because you don't let God change the way you think about certain things repentance has to do with changing the mind so god's mind can be in your head that means the devil's ideas have to go away and listen it's not so bad it's not like we are outnumbered and outpowered you just can't see him the bible says if you resist him he will run away from you so it's not like you don't have power You have all that you need for life and godliness. You have everything that you need to resist the devil. If you commit yourself to the word of God and say, your thoughts are my thoughts, Jesus. Your ways are my ways, Jesus. I'm going to be governed by you. You step into the strength that there is no power over it. There's no greater power than the power of Jesus. All things are submitted and subjected to him. You walk with Jesus and nothing can touch you. You walk away from Jesus and you're walking into dangerous areas. You know, we talk about angels. I want to bring it, you know, you feel these things on a daily basis. I don't see any wings flapping around. You felt their work, the despair and the depression and the hopelessness and the defaming of God, and the defaming of his people. These are not your thoughts. They are the devil's thoughts and evil angel's thoughts that's come to sit on your shoulder to destroy you. Why do you join the hand with it and agree to walk with it? You need to shake yourself. Shake yourself awake. You're living in a spiritual world. There's demons everywhere. There's fallen angels everywhere. And there's God's angels around. I speak to you now as a messenger of God. Wake up. Wake up. Because it's time now to be discerning about what is affecting you. You are not fighting flesh and blood. The things that are coming at you, the ideas that are coming at you, have all got their roots in the principalities and the powers that Paul told us clearly about. He said they start here, they get to there, they get to there, and they're over this whole region. We're in the West. We're under the governing of materialism, as though materialism is the only thing that exists. You find it hard to believe that there's a God that you can't see. Why is that? Because the, the principality and the evil over this place says it's all materialism. It's not the same in Africa. It's not there in Africa. It's all spiritual Africa. We don't have a problem believing in spirits in Africa. It's just the West. We dismissed it. That's the very thing. Friends, there's lots of them around. And one day we will be rejoicing with them. One day we will be glad to see them. We'll look and they'll be in awe of us because they are in awe of us because we got saved by the blood of Jesus. None of them have been saved by the blood of Jesus. They don't have the testimony of the Lamb on their lives. We do. And they rejoice when one of us gives our heart to Jesus. They said the angels in heaven rejoice when one turns and follows Jesus and repents. They rejoice. One day we will be with them to sing and to rejoice with them. But you know what? Right here and right now, You're living in a messy world. And if it sits on your shoulders, shake it off. Shake it off. Seriously, I can't do that for you because I don't know how it got in there. I don't have your eyes, but you know what your eyes are watching. Every time you open that gate, something else is going to come in. You're going to to determine what you're fighting this week If you open that eye gate, open those ear gates, open that mouth gate Whatever you do, you'll determine what you fight You choose not to fight, shut the gates, don't let them in Fill the gates with God's love and God's word and God's sound and God's everything else You know associations, we talk about associations, people, people Think, you know, I just need somebody in my life You know, what you need is Jesus in your life You don't need somebody in your life, you need Jesus in your life The best thing about association, you take Phil here. Now when Phil was trying to get out of his problems with the things that the the devil had him chained up with, they chained him up, the devil had him chained up real good. He got into his head, got into his life, chained him up real good. Had him all covered with all kinds of chains, controlling his whole whole life. Jesus came and (laughs) broke all the chains. You know what happens? Associations. A person, a human person comes along. Hey, buddy, haven't seen you for such a long time. Why don't we go and have a, a drink? That's all it takes. Oh, look, I just, I leave my cigarettes there. That's all it takes. Associations. Associations. You get that? Who are you associating with? There's the gate. There's the gate there. Ask yourself the question, is it worth the association? You might not be wrestling against flesh and blood, but there's certainly, when I get there, a whole lot of other stuff happens, so I think I'm just not going to go there. Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us. Let's stand. Father, we are aware that we are in a battle. Lord, we are conscious that every day we struggle. And Lord, we understand that the struggle is spiritual. It's brought upon our lives, Father, because of uncircumcised thinking and uncircumcised doing, Father. Lord, help us to think like you think and do as you do. Help us to look and to recognize, Lord Jesus, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the association of the evil things that are about us. And help us, Father, to shake them off Lord and to resist them from the very core of us to stand strong in you Lord Jesus and to recognize that in this spiritual world we will have spiritual victory and be overcomers in you Jesus Father we refuse to continue to listen to the rubbish that is bought upon our minds and our hearts we refuse to let those things become the dictators of life and emotion Father We give ourselves to you in a fresh way today and ask your Holy Spirit to so fill us that we are sensitive to the working of your Holy Spirit and the guidance of of your mighty angels, Father, that we would become strong in you, Lord Jesus, against every attack of the enemy. Father, we repent before you. We repent before you and ask you to help us to change our focus, change what we listen to, change what we hear, Change what we taste and touch, Father. Lord, let your word be our full consumption, O God. Let us eat and drink of you, Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.